High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, Calligraphy Club, the Fencing Team, the Rushmore Beekeepers, the Yankee Racers, oh, and an extra special shout-out to the Max Fisher Players. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my house this evening. But first, school is still in session. Your freshman year is still in session. Let's chat about your homework. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. First off, did you listen to last week's Olsen Twin extravaganza when we talked about New York Minute? Special thanks to Alexa Barikian, of course, for coming on. I think we actually influenced the world a little bit with that episode. So on that episode, Alexa mentioned that she wanted to listen to... It kind of wasn't related to the Olsen Twin thing, but she wanted to listen to the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack on Spotify, and it was not available. I was like, wow, that's crazy. But I told her that it was available on vinyl, and I actually purchased the vinyl. Thank you, Mondo. Awesome. I'll just say that. But, like, I posted the picture on Twitter and Instagram, and I think Facebook, and one of our listeners, she pointed out that, well, I had mentioned that Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo was on it, and she pointed out that another musician, Biff Naked, was also a contributor on that. And I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. So Biff Naked actually replied, by the way, if you don't know who Biff Naked is, you suck. She's awesome. (laughs) Biff Naked actually replied, and then Kay Hanley, I love you, Kay Hanley, of Letters to Cleo replied, and I guess, you know, they briefly chatted about it. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And guess what? Within, like, a day, Spotify had Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack up. So I don't know if we helped do that. I like to pretend that we helped do that, but bravo. And special thank you to listener and Twitter follower Melissa, because she was awesome. She helped facilitate this as well. Let me get her handle. I have it right here. Uh, Witching Hour zero zero. I don't know. Maybe she wants privacy and doesn't want you to follow her. But thank you, Melissa. Big help because that was awesome. Bottom line, guys, listen to last week's episode on New York Minute. Did you do your homework for this week? 
no, 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 not to get John Cusack to unblock us because he's still blocking us. So clearly you didn't do that part of the homework. But did you watch the wonderful and beautiful Wes Anderson film, Rushmore? Because it's super, super awesome. And you're going to enjoy today's episode if you did, because my guest is none other than the foodie films man himself. My co-host on PS I Love Hoffman, my good friend, Kyle Reinfried. Whoa, 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 Peter Kavinsky style, guys. Calm down. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. So before we get into Rushmore and everything Kyle has to say about it and everything I have to say about it, just want to remind you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, make sure that you write a review or at least leave us a five-star rating on whatever app you listen to us on, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. And remember, you could always listen on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And while you're there, check out all the other great Cage Club shows. They're really, really awesome. And if you like this show, they're going to be up your alley. And one more thing, the best way you can spread the love of High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend. That's honestly... There's nothing happier in my life than when I hear that someone told a friend about High School Slumber Party. So make me happy, guys. Please. It's a nice gesture. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, anyway. So let's get to Rushmore. A programming note, and I mentioned in the episode, but I decided to do this episode from Kyle Hood's childhood... Kyle Hood. (laughs) It rhymes. The Kyle Hood is how Kyle lives his life, I think. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I decided to do the episode from Kyle's childhood slash teenage bedroom, and I think it was awesome. I think it created like a really, really awesome atmosphere. So without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Oh, 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 wait, I forgot to mention, and this was a complete coincidence. I like to pretend that I'm this good at programming, but I'm really, really not. Well, I don't know if I'm not, but I didn't plan this out. A couple days ago it was actually Wes Anderson's 50th birthday. So let's pretend that we're doing this Rushmore episode in honor of director Wes Anderson's birthday. Happy birthday, Wes Anderson. I can't believe he's 50. That makes me feel old. Anyway, I leave you with Nothing in the World Can Stop Worrying About That Girl by The Kinks, a Wes Anderson favorite. Class dismissed. Man, a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. Man, a girl fell in love, glad as I can be. But I think all the time, is she true to me? Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl I found out I was wrong, she was just too timing 
I found out I was wrong She just kept on lying Now she tries to tell the truth And I just can't believe Cause there's nothing in this world To stop me worrying about that girl Tell me who can I turn to Just who can I believe Kyle, we're in your bedroom. My childhood bedroom. Which is still currently your bedroom? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not too long ago, but like, uh, stayed home a little longer than I should have. But don't get me wrong, there's a lot of shit in here. But I've went through clothes. I brought like clothes to like goodwill but i have like my whole dvd collection movie posters up still you know now you said something interesting you said you stayed home a little bit longer are you talking about here or are you talking about in the womb because that's true too right that is true as well (laughs) i just as my dad said they never cut the cord (laughs) uh it's a gary reinfried quote sounds like your foodie films line too a little bit uh there's more to cut yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh Laser, laser <laughs> accuracy. <my> Zing. <laughs> yeah. So purposely, I wanted to come to your childhood bedroom because, well, to be fair, there's no bed in here anymore. No, there's a uh, a love seat that was never in here, a recliner that was always in here. I'm choosing to sit in the recliner for your own benefit. I just wanted the atmosphere because, I mean, I spent time in here in high school. Certainly, you did. Yeah, I always, you know, I always had it set up. You know, I always had a bigger TV. Like this was like my, you know. A decent sized room, but it was just always a, people hung out in here. Yeah, you know, a lot of your trinkets. You were very into. You were very tchotchkes. into tchotchkes. Yeah, yeah. You were very into a lot of things in high high school. Into I'm not a saying lot you're, of you're you're not you know into them now, but like I know you like Elvis now, but you used to get a lot of Elvis stuff in high school. I'm seeing your Elvis Pez dispensers. Yeah, I mean. When you say get, I didn't buy that. That was given to me. Okay, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you still getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like I mean, even when it comes to Star Wars and Queen stuff, like that was. I mean, that was always you know, if you if you want to get me something, those are safe bets. But at the same time, I mean, I don't buy into the whole minimalist lifestyle. But by all means, I also don't want to have as much shit as I do. <laughs> I get pretty crazy in the sense of like i feel bad for the feelings of like toys when i throw out childhood toys <laughs> oh i'm the same way toy story struck me hard <laughs> <laughs> but like something that's helped me being an adult and not having as many things is what well, one moving into an apartment where i couldn't keep all my stuff anymore you know yeah so i try the other thing though is before it's, it sounds so spoiled but i don't mean very expensive things but when i saw something i liked i almost had to have it in terms yeah. of like a l- little tchotchke things. Yes. Again, not like a BMW. No, no, like, no, no. And now I can just say, I don't need to have it. I'm happy it exists. Yeah, that's a good thing. And I'll, yeah, I, I mean, my things now are definitely more art, print related, like any kind of movie, pop culture. But, but that, art. there's a problem in that too. We've discussed it. Like, there's only so much wall space. Yes, you know? exactly. No, exactly. You, no, you got me two awesome posters. I'm like, I don't really have like a. I also feel bad. Like, like my room. Like, there's really no more space. And then in my 
living area, I just, like, everything that's in there, except for, like, one little area, is all my stuff versus my roommates. <laughs> so it's just, like, I know that I have them, and they will be hung up in, like, you know... I always I thought of doing, like, a an seasonal... Oh, and Yeah, like your studio. Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be great. But I always thought of having, like, a seasonal rotating exhibit, like, these are my spring <laughs> posters, these are my, my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we said this, too, like, part of growing up, and, you know, you, you were there, you were okay, but part of growing up is putting your posters in frames. Yes. You know? Yeah, I was never... I only had, like, a few posters that I actually pinned into the wall. And that also comes from the room that we're in. I moved into going into eighth grade. And so, uh, yeah, just right away, like, I don't know. Yeah, I got posters and I, like, yeah, hung them up. But I feel like... See, that's a great Star Wars poster behind you. But I feel like if you get that poster now, you're putting it in the proper size frame, not just throwing it in a random frame. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's adulthood, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good... Framing a, your Star Wars posters th- th- properly came, is adulthood. That came with the uh, the original vinyl that's a collectible poster. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. The other thing I was going to say, you were very into Australian stuff in high school. Remember that? Because you had your didgeridoo, which I don't see here. Is that in your apartment? That is at my apartment. <laughs> One of the things you brought with you, but I see your boomerang up there. Yes. A country you haven't visited. I'm surprised. No. But we came here, and the first thing I did was, you know, we were doing a little business... We were, um, you know, going through your DVD You're collection. Perusing my uh, f- over five hundred, not to, does not compare. I was absolutely in awe of our Cage Club co-founder, the Godfather Joey Lewandowski's collection. This is, I think, maybe like a fifth of what he has. His house, his is, dining room is a is a is a whole. But his house is like a room, if that makes sense. It's a big house. I don't think it's a small house, but he's got like. It's all him because he lives alone. Yeah. So like he's the post. It's posters you live everywhere. Alone, Joey. <laughs> That's not you what live I alone. But I'm saying the DVDs in the dining room. You know, like if yeah. he, if we were ever get a roommate, they would have to have the same exact taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. It's one big room. Like it, it flows. It just the theme. Yeah. The, the whole theme house of movies. Is Joey, yeah. Is Joey. You know? Yeah. There's no like tropical house room, day Joey. Like, you know, like it's yeah. like. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you have a fair amount of high school films, and we picked out a bunch of them. And I was impressed with your VHS for high school films a very different very different like genres you have Greece yeah which is I think we've discussed on this podcast uh, I don't know a favorite of yours but definitely a big thing in your childhood Uh, a a favorite in the in the realm of songs not the message of the film which again I now that I see it I get the message more than I ever did it's supposed (laughs) to be ironic you can listen to that in the archives guys Yes. Ten things and I hate about and, you. And they also just announced recently... Oh, yeah, we should say that. ...that there's going to be a prequel movie. That makes a lot of sense. Everyone's saying the same joke. Yeah. Like, isn't there a song about how it happened yeah. already? Like, do we need... Well, and that's what the movie's going to be called, Summer Lovin'. Oh, God. I don't I think it should either. be... I should think it should star... Um, oh, God, what's her name? Uh, Rebel Wilson. <laughs> and... and uh, and the guy from Workaholics that she's like that she's in a lot of movies. Oh yeah, I can with. see that. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be funny. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So yeah. And then, oh oh so, yeah. Ten things I hate about you, which you know we just hit the 20th anniversary. I think for that. Yeah. That, yeah. 20th. That makes sense. Yeah. And yep, 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 yep. classic. Obviously, one of the greatest. And Heath would have been 40 time. years old recently. Say that again. Heath would have been 40 years old. Yeah, it was just Heath Ledger's birthday. Better Off Dead, the first, and you were on that episode, but the first film we ever did for this podcast. Yes. I watched it on that VHS for that episode. Great, great. And? To serve with love. Who sings that? I don't know. Lulu. Oh, good call. Did not know that. Great song, though. Great film. 
To Sir With Love. We'll cover it on the podcast as well. Not your classic high school film, because it's more about the teacher. Yeah, Sidney Poitier. The great Sidney Poitier. So great. I think I watched that like with my mom when I was younger. You know, that's like oh, definitely... Lulu's in the film. I didn't know that. I don't know if I knew that either. Lulu plays Barbara, who also sings the title song. Oh. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have more high school DVDs, but we pulled out American Graffiti, Almost Famous, Superbad, Pleasantville, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Classics, and of course, the film we're talking about today, Rushmore. Rushmore, great movie. I remember being very interested in this movie via the cover, like be, you know, cover. seeing it in a local convenience store that like rented out new movies on VHS, and being like, "What is this movie?" Being very mesmerized and being very perplexed, just like he's wearing the red beret in it, and then you saw Bill Murray. I'm like, "Oh, Bill Murray's looking." old like you know like which is funny because this movie is now 21 years old yeah yeah just being very uh not knowing the whole relationship of it all because i don't read so i read the back of the cover probably and this is a special moment for me today because this is actually my 52nd episode i'm not counting this as my year because i feel like the year should start at 53 yeah you know yeah, sure yeah, yeah so this this completes the year of high school slumber party so you, you were on the first and now you're on... I was going to say the last, but I hope not. No, no, no. Nice. But the, like the, yeah, the, the last of the, the bookends of the year. Calendar year. I decided to of split my Of the inaugural year. We're still in our freshman year, guys. So relax. That'll end in June. But yes, of yeah, the... You should end this show after four years. You know, maybe. Maybe. It depends. It depends if you guys graduate out there. I don't know. <laughs> there, there might be... Uh, you know, super seniors. Yeah, you might be super seniors. You might have a super senior year. And the movies will be You'd trudging be Lenny, out at that Lenny point. Cooks. <laughs> It's a local reference. Sorry. Or <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. No, there's a Showtime documentary yeah, on it. Yeah, or if you know your basketball. Yeah, if you know your basketball, yeah. <laughs> but we got your yearbook here, our yearbook. Varsity letter. We've mentioned that before, too, on yeah, the show. Yeah, your, your varsity letter. This is this was your dojo. This yeah. is where you dreamed about girls. and. Yeah, this is where I found my... No. This is... <laughs> this is... I mean, yeah, I've got a Queen poster, a Bullet poster, a Taxi Driver, a Good Band, the Ugly, and Elvis, Elvis Aaron Presley. Never knew his name till I bought that poster. Name <laughs> name till I so we're a good double digits of numbers in. Yes. But if you're a fan of the show, you definitely know this voice already. And Kyle, you should know how to introduce yourself on this show. Kyle Reinfried. The, but how, I always said it in a different way. The Northern Valley Old Japan, class of 2005. Go, go! <laughs> it's been a while. Go, Golden Knights. And welcome back. And when I said, what movie do you want to pick? I might have given you a list. But yeah, you gave, yeah. Rushmore was your choice. Oh, it's so good. Was this the first Wes Anderson film you saw? Yes. Okay, it was not mine. Tenenbaums? Royal Tenenbaums was the first Wes Anderson Which... film I saw. Arguably, is your that or Darjeeling Limited? Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you know, I wanted to chat about that. A lot of Wes Anderson fans out there. There are a lot of Wes Anderson haters out there too. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. I I get both sides of it. I'm definitely a Wes Anderson fan. An American empirical fan. (laughs) But it's we'll we'll get into like my some of the gripes sometimes I have with Wes Anderson. But Rushmore, not his first film. No, that's Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket's correct. What is this, a second then? Yes. But I, I would say this, this is... Like, Breakout is such a I weird I think Max word, is right? a sophomore, so a sophomore film about a sophomore. It's weird, right? He's a sophomore, but they said there's, like, what are you going to do next year? There's some confusion about that in this yeah. film. It's not that clear, but he's certainly in high school, obviously. So we have Bottle Rocket, Rushmore. What? Let's do them in order. Yeah, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited... 
Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Budapest after that? Budapest Isle Dogs. It's so weird because, like, I always feel like there's more, you know? Yeah. What was the first one you saw in theaters? Aquatic? Yes. I think that was probably the first one I saw in theaters. We didn't see it together, oddly. No, no. Came out in 2004. I don't remember, like, Life Aquatic in theaters too much. I distinctly remember seeing Darjeeling Limited in theaters. Yes, which... No, we didn't see that together. I saw that, I saw that it was Zach Bressler. Shout out to Zach Bressler, a uh, guest of PSL of Hoffman and Foodie Films. So, what's your favorite, I guess, Wes Anderson film? Life Aquatic, hands down. Hands down? Hands down. Without a question. Life Aquatic, Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore, Budapest, Fantastic slash Darjeeling Limited, Isle Dogs, Moonrise. Yeah, you weren't a big fan of Moonrise King. No, it's totally... That is, to me, is the epitome of him... You know that South Park episode where like they move to San Francisco and everyone's farting into a wine glass and sniffing it? <laughs> like that to me. It's just it's just it's the two and that's like what I also felt about like Tarantino and uh Jan- uh Django, Django. Unchained. It, it, it's just the director just way too much into their own hype and then trying to make it's like a it's like Wes Anderson directed a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And, and look, sometimes too, I dig yeah. it and sometimes I don't. Like, I'm very conflicted about that aspect of it. We, we've talked about this before, but to me, so Royal Tannenbaums, I loved. I, I rented it, loved it. Mother didn't understand it. <laughs> and it was a very I, Norman Bates moment. Mother didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't. She's like, I don't get it. Ben Stiller's in this, but it's not funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's like punch drunk love adam sandler kind of yeah but it blew my mind as like a writer and as a film watcher yeah it was one of the first films that i saw that wasn't anything what i expected it was so and like i said that was my first west anderson film it was so completely different than the norm and look i wasn't watching like kurosawa films or like european expressionalist films no but this is this is probably yeah one of the first like art house movies yeah you saw yeah exactly and it was like whoa and then i had to see every west anderson film that had come out at that time yeah so two others Yeah, yeah two others but I was like, this is this is crazy, you know. I got it because of the cast on the outside. I'm like, oh, cool, you know, <laughs> like yeah, on the outside of the box. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> so I, like I said, I bought that DVD, and I, as I did at the time, I would watch everything with commentary, and I would watch all the special features. Yeah, we were at, like a great time of like that was still like new and very exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's still I still love it, but like just with yeah, with like streaming, Netflix, we just yeah, yeah there's exactly, no there's yeah. no and you know time and stuff. But when you're a kid, you have all the time yeah. in the world, and you just and that's why you should check out PS. I still love Hoffman. Great TV <laughs> <laughs> commentary podcast. Plug, shameless plug. Yeah. I had a button, but on that there's a great featurette of Wes Anderson making that film, and he's like this dork, you know? Yeah. And, and I wasn't like, oh, what a dork. He's a loser. But I'm saying he's just like a film nerd who he's loves his craft. He's a nerd, yeah. And he's like, you know, oh, my brother makes the maps, and I like doing this. I like doing yeah. that, you know. And then... Yeah, I, you slightly know, on the spectrum. That's <laughs> how we all felt. Like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this guy's so cool. He's doing his thing. And not that he wasn't cool the next time I saw him, but I remember being in the theater, yeah. and they ran that, like, American Express ad with him. <laughs> and he's, like, dressed like he's... A, and it's a great commercial, but he's dressed like he's a character in his film. He's, like, making movies. Yeah. You know? Is this the right gun? Like, you know, he's, like, walking around. I'm like, Francois! Not enough smoke and the snow was too loud. We'll go again right away. 
I've blown up buildings, hunted sharks, crashed airplanes, and flown helicopters. Anyway, American Express commercial. Here we go. Can I get my snack? You're eating it. Making movies. How do you do it? What's it like? Let me just tell these guys one thing. It sounds fake. Why would I put on a hat? My best friend just got telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It sounds fake. First, think up a good story. I would like to ask you something. She's the daughter of the man who loaned us the sports car. Okay. Is that the geisha? Looks good. She was right here. You don't have her? What happened? Two. How do you tell it? Sandy wants to pick another gun. Can you do a 357 with a bayonet? Yeah, let's see why not. Right. I got through your dialogue. All right, let's hear it. I'm going with you. Don't start that again. You need me. I'm the only one with the code. That's blackmail. I guess it works. What do you think? I like it. Here she is. This is Lucy. Where were you? We were looking all over the place. She's a big fan of yours. Is that true? Next, there's your collaborators. Everybody's got some kind of... The helicopter shot is $15,000. So we can do that, right? Wes, no way. I'll do it. I got it. Save the receipt. I'm going to sit there. What are you doing there? Then you mix it all together, and that's more or less it. My life is about telling stories. Is my birds? I think so. I need those. My card is American Express. Wow, and he's got the long hair now. You yeah. Know? And it's just like, this guy transformed. And it's not a bad thing, but it's like, you're right. He's, he's Wes Anderson making Wes Anderson make movies, making, making Wes Anderson movies. Because he's a character himself now. Yeah. It's almost like he and P.T. Anderson should be brothers. And, like, that's the <laughs> brother that, like, he's, like, Wes Anderson's, then, like, the Peyton. That, yeah. like, got, like, that's, like, way too comfortable <laughs> on camera. I don't know. Though, yeah, I mean, certainly... Paul Thomas Anderson is not the Eli in the terms of success. But he's more successful than Eli? Like awards-wise, I would say. Wes Anderson doesn't have... Has won an Oscar. Eli's won two Super Bowls. I know. I'm just just saying in the more, like, quiet, just like... Yeah, I know. I hear, yeah. I bring all this up because, obviously, this is going to be a heavy Wes Anderson podcast, but Rushmore is Wes Anderson unadulterated, you know? We don't get... and. For better or worse, we don't get full Wes Anderson quirkiness. You know, there's no, like, rando sequences. But we no. certainly have a lot of the hallmarks of what makes Wes Anderson films great. Soundtrack, yeah, I interesting would, characters. I would say this is Rushmore is the purest. And you would think that would be Bottle Rocket. But I say this is just because he has more of a budget. So he B- gets Bottle to Rocket do more is things. more of his heart eight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that. that's definitely how I feel. Yeah, you're Yeah, right. this is his... Bo- and it came out, yeah, like a year later. This is, like, yeah, Boogie Nights for P.T. Anderson. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, they are contemporaries in... No, As they, far as, you know... I'm not going to say their careers echo, but certainly, like, even the rate of film... Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. It's a completely different world. And yes. I would say, you know, there are not too many diehard Wes Anderson and P.T. Anderson fan. No, and not that I'm a diehard Wes Anderson, but I do love him, but obviously P.T. Anderson is like, just, I mean, it's him and Scorsese for me are the two, you know. What I can't understand, though, is, and I, look, I love Wes Anderson, and I, I want him to, like, sometimes I'm too hard on him because I love him, you know? Yeah. But there are some unapologetic Wes Anderson fans. 
Mm. Like he could do anything, and they they won't criticize it at all. Which is, I yeah, I don't understand that because someone like Wes Anderson, I think in a heartbeat would be definitely take on criticism and probably is critical of himself and then and towards other films as well. Like I mean, he he's a, he's a student of film. Like you see that he he definitely is an individual when it comes to filmmaking. But at one point, you know, he watched you can still see, like, you know, where he gets, you know, at least his comedy, you know, stylings and stuff like that. And even even this movie, they, uh, I I was reading, you know, you know, I like my trivia, and I read that they wanted to make almost like a roll doll kind of world, which is very interesting because then he ended up making Fantastic Mr. Fox mm, of this. So. Yeah. No, and it has a lot of... Like, it definitely has all the hallmarks of a Wes Anderson film. So, I don't know if I mentioned it yet, but the, it's a film from 1998. It's not like your 90s film, of course. This is... If I saw this in 98, it would have blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for those of you who haven't seen Rushmore, as I do every week, and sometimes I'm reading from pictures, but Kyle, like I said, you had the DVD. I'm gonna read the back of the DVD cover. Please. Please. Rushmore. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what this movie is. That the way you Rush, just said it, Rushmore. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a pledging movie, Rushmore. Yeah, Rushmore. Rushmore is the story of a gifted, rebellious teenager named Max Fisher, a tenth grader at okay. Yeah, that's Rushmore. Yeah. Yep, a tenth grader <laughs> at an elite Rushmore Academy at the elite. Sorry, a tenth grader at elite Rushmore Academy. Editor of the school newspaper, captain or president of an innumerable clubs, and societies. Max is one of the worst students in school, and the threat of expulsion hangs permanently over his head. Max's world is rocked when he falls for elegant first-grade teacher Miss Cross, and he plans to erect an aquarium in her honor, then finds himself competing for her affections with his friend, steel tycoon Mr. Bloom, the wealthy father of two classmates. Very simple there, very simple, which I like. I felt like they specifically used the word erect there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, so- something that's funny, there's a lot of hallmarks of later Wes Anderson films in this. Yeah. Specifically the, the water elements in the aquarium and oh, yeah. the Jacques Cousteau elements in this. And just reading this, like, wow. And then um, when I got here and picked up the DVD, I read something interesting. On the back it says, The Best American Comedy Since Annie Hall. And I was like, whoa. I mean... That's a lot of years, and there's a lot of great comedies before that. And I like this movie, but you were like, I get it. Yeah, I get it, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree with it, but you know when you hear something and you're like, oh, I could understand how someone feels that way. So whoever wrote that gave it that review. Sure, yeah. You know, like, I mean, what you, Annie Hall was uh, 77, so we're talking this is 20 years later. Obviously, there's a lot of great comedies that came out in between those years, between your Steve Martin, Martin Short, John Candy, I mean... Yeah, but, you know. like, this is, like, just like Annie Hall is a thinking comedy, this is more of a thinking comedy. Exactly, so they're, they're definitely like drawing... Chris Beverly Hills Ninja. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The, yeah, like, there's... It's a, it's a, yeah, thinker, it's quirky, I mean, it's not Annie Hall, it's one of the sillier... Uh, Woody Allen movies, but again, trivia-wise, the uh, green suit that Max is wearing at the end is the suit that Woody Allen wears in Bananas. The same suit? Same suit. Wow. Yeah. You're welcome. 
Foodie phones, bananas. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you said it. You just made the fact up. Like Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was loved by the critics. It wasn't the most popular film in the world because, you know, it wasn't meant to be that way. His movies never really make a lot of money, even though he does have a big, you know, following now. And, and I'm sure you read in the trivia that, like, to promote it, he, like, rode around the country on a bus. Well, yeah, supposedly that's also... I didn't know he hates to fly. Which doesn't, it seems odd to me. I could see him in, like, an antique plane, yeah. like a tailspin kind of plane. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, critics loved it. It was 89% by the critics and audience alike, 91%. It shocked me a little bit. You know, I didn't think they would have that high of an audience score because, again, I could see certain people watching this and being like, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, but I guess not, you know, but the, but someone who seeks out Rushmore is probably not looking for, again, Beverly Hills Ninja. You know? Yeah. I mean, also at that time, I mean, or no, I guess it's now because it's on like Rotten Tomatoes, but still like for a movie that came out before Rotten Tomatoes was in use, like clearly, I think it's only really going to be the fans that go and comment about a movie from years past. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's fair. It's going to be like that's a definitely fan. fair. Um, so, interesting cast here, obviously. Jason Schwartzman plays our lead, Max. Yeah, his uh, debut role, film role. Great character. It's weird to think that that was his debut. How old is he when he did this? He's certainly older than the character. But not much. Just looked it up. He was 19 when this came out. Okay, so three years so old. Not, not much, but yeah. no. We have to we have to say that he's nephew of the guy who's you know name of the network we're part of, Nicky Cage. Nicky is Coppola. he nephew? No, but he would be. Is Nick Cage? Oh no, cousin. cousin. Cousin, cousin. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that. You're right. Yeah. So Jason Schwartzman, Nicholas Cage's cousin. Yeah, first cousin. Yeah, I think that goes. That's how. It works. Yeah. So son of Talia Shire. Yes. Who is sister to Francis Ford Coppola, who must also be sister to Nicholas Cage's father whoever Nicolas Cage's father is, because yeah, I'm not sure. Cage Club guys, help us out here. Yeah. Do the Cage family. <laughs> yeah, so Jason Schwartzman, who we both really like, and not just for Wes Anderson films. And, yeah. you, know, you really like him in Bewitched. I know that's one of your favorite films. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were big Bored to Death fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's great in this. I just, like, I really don't like... Max Fisher. Like I, I don't said. think you're supposed to. No, I know. So and I think yeah, that's a so job yeah. well done. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, almost to the point that, like, I don't want to watch this movie. But that's see, that's what made watching Wes Anderson films when I was younger so great. That there were unlikable characters that I liked. You know, I wanted to see what was going on with him, even though they were jackasses and not like funny jackasses, just like. <laughs> They felt real, you know? Yeah, I mean, by all means, Steve Zissou, like, isn't a good person, but <laughs> but I guess because it's Bill Murray, and he's just hilarious, just, I mean, in the first three movies, I'll, I'll just, or, yeah, three movies that he's in of Wes Anderson, I'll say, he's just... Is he in every Wes Anderson movie after this one? He makes the cameo as the man chasing after the train. In Darjeeling. In Darjeeling. Now, of course, obviously Bill Murray in this film as well. The first time they collaborated, and again, I'm sure you read this in the trivia, that Wes Anderson was, like, scared shitless of him. Yes. And Bill Murray, like, honestly, like, really respected that. Yeah, and, and, uh... And two big, he read it and loved the script so much, and said that he would do it for free. And then also supposedly, I guess, I mean, they said in the trivia the the helicopter shot, but I guess that they meant there was no like aerial shot. I don't think in the movie. 
I guess they must have meant like I don't know. Point point being, there was one point that like this technically was produced by Disney because I forget what you know probably Touchstone, right? Touchstone, something like that. Yeah, and so yeah, it was a ten million dollar budget. They you know had it all you know everything squared away as far as budget goes, but. He, I think uh, Wes Anderson was asking for $75,000 more. They said no, and Bill Murray gave him a blank check. It's crazy. It's so that's crazy. pretty good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Bill Murray's the man. <laughs> I mean, there's a cult around Bill Murray now. Sometimes it, like, p- can piss me off. Yes. You know? I, I guess it's like the hipster in me. I don't know. Anytime someone gets, like, infallible, it really gets me it's mad. It's like him and, like, Jeff Goldblum. And- yeah, and I love these people. I love Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. But then it's like, oh... Jeff Goldblum literally can touch anything and it turns into Goldblum. It's like it doesn't, you know, it's fucking. Yeah, I'm waiting for the next person who's it gonna that I love that's gonna happen to who's it gonna be like Hank Azaria, like you no. know. <laughs> oh, I saw him today. Oh, I told you. Yeah, just randomly on the street. Hey, Murray. He, he was in a three-piece suit, and I was like, he's know? an attractive man. I kind of want him to be naked. Who's keeping though. it tight? <laughs> See, I talk that way about men too. It's so weird because like I. Again, I haven't watched Brockmire. I think we mentioned it on our show. Like, yeah. I haven't seen enough of it. Yeah. And that was, like, the first thing I thought of when I saw him. He very much looked like Brockmire. IFC is a great channel. It is a great it channel. It really is. Like, it's, it's... We're living in a good time. We could say that. Living in a great time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's just really... There's so many things I love about this movie. Olivia Williams. Um, I don't really, like... Okay, so, I, I you yeah. know where I know her from? She's the bridesmaid that Joey, uh... like, tries to get with. And probably is, does in London in Friends, which is right around this, right? Like that. Probably that's yeah. like they get married like I think like the sixth season or something like that. Probably, I mean it's close. And the show ended in two thousand four. There were ten <laughs> seasons, so uh, it was after this. So I guess I don't know. She just yeah. So that's the only place I knew her from. Yeah. Um, but I always liked her in this film, actually. Oh, she's great. Brian Cox, fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean. There's not much we need to say about him. Not too many other people. Uh, we we get uh, the pagoda, Kumar Palana. Yes. <laughs> so someone we definitely, definitely have to mention, because he just passed away this week, was Seymour Castle, who plays Bert Fisher, uh, Max Fisher's father, the barber, who's great in this film. I forgot how good he was in this film, because honestly, like I was thinking of him from like Royal Tenenbaums. He's like... Yeah, the, the elevator like, operator. Yeah, the elevator operator. and I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's in one of my favorite comedies, which is Beer League, which I'll eventually, <laughs> which I'll eventually cover on Foodie Films. I didn't realize he was in that. Yeah, he plays a character named Dirt, and he's just amazing. He's just, wow. It's just a dirty movie with Artie Lang and Ralph Macchio, and it's about Jersey, and it's about a, you know adult softball league, and Dirt is their pitcher and he's just you know the veteran of the team and seymour castle has so many fantastic lines in the movie and he's, he's absolutely great voice, right like he's, he's a great voice i mean he's just a veteran of the industry working with one of the greatest directors independent uh, filmmakers talking about wes anderson independent filmmaker uh definitely I, 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 without reading this, I would just, I would put good money on it that he was like, wow, wouldn't it be awesome to work with an actor that worked with John Cassavetes, you know, and which, you know, yeah. Seymour, Seymour did, so. Um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, he's like, his Bill Murray. 
Yeah, it's funny. You're right. Like, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Another film he was in, a uh, Nicolas Cage film, one of my favorite Nicolas Cage films, Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, tremendous career. You know, he, he seemed like he lived a good life, certainly on screen. Yeah. What's, like, the last, like, kind of, you know, because I mean, he was up there, but it's, I don't think he's really done anything to, I mean, I could be he wrong. He was 84. He was 84. Sorry, scrolling a lot. So, the last thing he did was... Silver case director's cut. The last five he did, you can't even like click them. They're like okay. He was a guy who worked. For example, in 2014, he did one six films. Okay, but like none of them were. So I mean, 2014, four years ago. So around like 70. No, sorry, 80 years old. He was still acting. I just oh wasn't yeah, sure it yet. seemed like he did a lot of like yeah. yeah he was he, that well, and the, and that comes from working with people like Cassavetes. They were just that you know. They were workhorses. Beer League was one of his last bigger films. Yeah, which isn't a big film at all. <laughs> he he guest starred in... It's a cameo. I didn't remember what's him in Flight of the Concords. He was, like, briefly in that. He played, like, a 50s gang member in, like, a gang episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, so, yeah, he was... He, he, hell of a career. Yeah, hell of a career, and just a very... Um, like a sage, like, you know, it's just weird, like, it's kind of interesting that they have him playing Max's dad, because he is, you know, I mean, at that point, you know, you could say that yeah. he was a he guy, could, like, in his 60s. He like, could be Max's yeah. grandfather yeah. as well. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, we don't know the dynamic there, you know, like, but it... Sure. It, they have a, I don't, when I say great relationship, I don't mean they have a great relationship with each other. He's I mean, very warm to his son. Yeah, it's a good on-screen relationship yeah. for us to see. So, yeah, no, definitely want to bring him up. I mean, we get also Luke Wilson in this film. Hey, we get two Wilsons. No, we get three Wilsons, technically. All three Wilsons are on camera. When is Owen Wilson on camera? He is a picture, and, and he's Rosemary's husband. Oh! Technically, there's a picture of him in the background. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's true, because we get Luke Wilson, and we get Andrew Wilson. Yep. I don't think we've had a Wilson on the pod. Oh, no, we did. We had Andrew Wilson, believe playing, it or not. Playing the coach. <laughs> in Whippet. Yes. Yeah. He's in yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I've had Luke Wilson home fries. Home fries, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Wilsons. We take for granted, like, film snobbery that we know, <laughs> like, the Wilsons came up wow. with, with Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. It's Deep Blue Hero stuff. Chewy, have you even seen Star Wars? What is it? Scariest environment imaginable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's growing. She's learning. She's figuring out things. Discovering her body. Hello. <laughs> we we just did Armageddon. Oh, yeah, slides of Armageddon. Well, but that's like Armageddon, like Philip Seymour Hoffman Twister, quite possibly. You know. Oh yeah, Owen Wilson Armageddon. Yeah, Armageddon. And, and I love Owen Wilson. I really, yeah. really do. An early career of many deaths. And I think, <laughs> and I think Owen Wilson. Like, Owen Wilson written films of Wes Anderson's? Oh, yeah. To me are, are I don't want to say better. Better than, like, Noah Baumbach? <sighs> it, it's, it's tough there's to the, say. You could, there's a difference. I brought this up because there's a lot of people who think Owen Wilson is just a ha-ha funny guy. Yeah. But remember, he, I mean, like, I don't want to bring this up, but he, he has that, that suicide thing. He's, yeah, he's got a dark side. He yeah. has a dark side, and you see it in the films. Yeah. Not that we're going to have Tannenbaum's again, but obviously, like, the Richie Tannenbaum suicide scene is definitely, like, from the brain of Owen Wilson. And Steve Z. This is what he calls Life Aquatic. <laughs> and he's one of the co writers of this film. I don't know if we said that yet, but him and Wes Anderson wrote this film together. And it's obviously not 100% based on their lives, but. Yeah. But uh, even Owen Wilson got kicked out of prep school. 
Yeah. So he, you know, compared himself to Max a lot. They shot this in Texas, where they're from. It makes so much sense. Wes Anderson films feel prep schooly, if that makes sense. You know, I don't know if it, it's true. Or not. All his films are, I mean, specifically like this. All his films because they have a they have a detail to them that's very ornate, like a prep school. You know. I see. Yeah, I get I'm not saying education. That's like I don't mean that at all. I mean yeah. like. You know how there's a pomp and circumstance in a prep school? Think of the crest of a prep school, right? Yeah, and just yeah. the fact that he's into, like you said, like, oh, my brother does the maps. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, he, yeah, it's a, it's a, he's a finely tuned machine. Yeah, it's like, like a pageantry. Yeah, I get know, it. Like okay, a, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, about it, where it's not like, there's no, there's no grittiness in Wes Anderson films. Maybe in some of the actions of the characters but even when the character does something gritty it's not in a gritty way if yeah. that makes sense you know it's in a very almost stage way his most separate film again not i can't just like not including ball rocket i just you know it's like well, yeah because like, money you know yeah. he c- couldn't achieve his dream yet but i i would say is darjeeling yeah but even that and i agree because it steps away from the ensemble it's just but, it, but even that obviously has like wes anderson elements and it's yes. still very ornate and pretty, you know, to the nitty, like, every inch of that film. Oh, yeah, everything, exactly. Well, what were we, oh, just when we covered Moneyball recently, I'm like, wow, this is a perfect movie. And it was something that specifically for, not to shamelessly plug, but for P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, where we're, you know, uh, re-watching movies, you know, from P.S. I Love Hoffman, and we're doing a commentary, since we're doing that commentary and I'm talking about it right when we're watching it, I'm really looking at the details and really nitpicking the stuff so we you know, can have something else to talk about. But just like in that movie, Bennett Miller really... You can tell everything in the background had a specific purpose, the staging of the characters, and so that's like that to the extreme with Wes Anderson. Like, oh, absolutely. Especially from, from color palette to costumes. I mean, you know, that's that's the stuff that really makes that, and then his dialogue is what makes the, you know, stand out. And it's funny because, like, Max's plays to me, obviously they're the subject matter and not Wes Anderson things, but it reminds me of something that a, a young Wes Anderson theoretically would have tried. Would have, yeah, there, loved you know? to have tried, yeah. <laughs> and we know this now in hindsight by seeing his later work. Yes. And, and this is also kind of the start to, like, his kind of trilogy because this is very th- theater Tenenbaums is book and Life Aquatic is documentary mm, that so, makes sense I like that this was a movie that speaking of high school very much covered and analyzed in my high school film class shout out to John Housley very good teacher when it comes to analyzing film and he pointed out you know the key things to us like the themes of fish and underwater i mean even the main character's name is fisher but just then also the theater like a big thing i remember he you know was just a great teacher in the sense that he showed us the transition of people and how it even worked in their costumes like max is always wearing his rushmore you know jacket and slacks and then he is even wearing that in public school, and then at his low point, he's dressing like his dad, and then he becomes his own person, and he's wearing this that that Woody Allen green like velvet thing, but he looks like the curtains that are such a big part of his theatrical life. Mm. And even the curtains 
in both for his house when he like shuts them on uh was Margaret Yang and then also Rosemary's Blinds 2. They it's come all. together like a theater. That's all. That's uh, John Housley for you. So, but it's something that always stuck with me and made me an, a, just another thing to appreciate about such a brilliant film. Good call, yeah. Oof. I mean, I've mentioned this before, but a lot of people mistake this podcast for films that you would watch at a slumber party. You know? <laughs> I don't know if this is one that I would watch at. Like, I, I w- Our slumber party. Yeah, I'm saying like if you're into film in high school. Yeah. Especially when we grew up, like I said, blow your mind. You know, it's so good. I mean, there's just wow. This was a movie where, like, I just made a list of like things I love. Like, I love Bill Murray slapping the basketball. Like, I love his line of like, "Yeah, I was in this shit." I love the Scottish kid, just like what a the way he says Jaguar. Yeah, I mean, just a great soundtrack. The whole just Rosemary and Bloom and the. Carrot exchange. Yeah, <laughs> like there's I mean, so oh, many. Don't brush over the soundtrack. Like all these West no, no. soundtracks are so good, and yeah. this one is no exception. I mean, it was ten million dollar budget, but he find or something like that. It wasn't a big budget, but he, I don't know if like he just finds music that is not as expensive as you would think it is. Well, I know there's also in some situations. I mean, we covered it specifically on Boogie Nights and how you know whatever that band was didn't allow the song boogie nights because they didn't want it in a movie about pornography but there are some musicians if they own the rights they'll work with you so maybe that was i don't know if he reached out to people but um you know it's a possibility i mean i guess it's possible uh i I don't know if they're re-released or even re-released i only have darjeeling limited i think on vinyl but i would love to get all the wes anderson films on vinyl i know budapest is certainly on vinyl all the new ones are Mm -hmm. on vinyl i don't really remember the soundtrack to isle of dogs like, I don't know if no, it was... it's just more... Yeah, right, like... It was a good score. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, soundtrack-y, right? Some things, you know, that I remembered, like, right, right from the start, that was very Wes Anderson to me, is, like, listing all the clubs that yes, Max was in. Yes, so good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, like, so Wes Anderson. And you know what was funny in the movie? And this is the first time I caught it. Almost every club that's listed, maybe every club's listed is used later by him. Yeah. Knowledge from the... Like, the bees for the beekeeper club, you know? Even just seeing, like, flying the kite and... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's just such a great beginning to a movie. I love just seeing the portrait of the blooms. Yeah. And the curtains open, and it starts with Max's daydream. Uh, It's just hearing Guggenheim, like, after... Yeah, after Bill Murray talks in the chapel... Max meets him, and Max walks away. He's like, "Who's that?" He's like, "He's one of one of the worst students at Rushmore." Just like I love <laughs> Brian Cox's like dead delivery was just so. I mean, he's just great in so many movies. The this adaptation. Oh, oh my god! So yeah, good. no, Brian Cox is awesome. It's Doctor Guggenheim. I'm surprised he didn't. Wes Anderson didn't use a lot of the like. I know he used Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman, obviously. Yeah. But he didn't use like Brian Cox again. Moonrise. Oh, I think you're. Yeah, I think you're right. Moonrise. He brought some people, but that's the whole thing. Like, wh- like before, I just need. I feel like I need to defend myself a little bit more. Like <laughs> when, when it comes oh, to like, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, you've got Bruce Willis, so that's like the first time. I think that's the only time we worked with him. Bill Murray, Ed Norton, he's reworked with him again. Francis Boy. McDormand, Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman, Bob Balaban. I feel like there's more. I know, like, Harvey Keitel's in there somewhere. Yeah. 
it was just, I don't know, it was just too, like, that was the whole thing, like, Bill, you know, Bill Murray had his resurgence, and that was like, it was like, oh, like, I mean, he was funny, but it was, you know, a kind of a different role for Bill Murray, and then you then did that with Ben Stiller, like, in the, you know, in his next movie, he always did that, like, and even, like, Danny Glover's in that movie, I don't know, just, I think it's just, I mean, it's definitely handled better in Royal Tenenbaums. I don't know, there's just something about Moonrise that just never didn't... You don't like kids. They were good, but... I don't know. I think, isn't that kid... No, I thought for a second he was like a Coppola somehow. I think he just kind of looks like him. (laughs) No, I mean, I like Moonrise. I mean, I think I like Moonrise because I really like the setting. Like... Yes. I'm into those, like... Northeastern New England islands. You know? Is it a period piece? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, right? yeah. Because yeah. the way she's dressed, the girl, definitely. Yeah, but also, wouldn't you expect that on a Wes Anderson movie? Fair, fair. Like, but no, I'm pretty sure it is a period piece, yeah. though. But I think it's probably based on Block Island, off Rhode Island, Yeah, you know? And just the idea of these islands fascinates me. Oh, yeah. Um, but I've been with you, in a sense, in terms of the celebrity thing. I'm not the biggest fan of these loaded casts. That's kind of why I like Rushmore. I mean, I, I like all of them, but... Yeah. I If I had to say one nitpicky thing about Wes Anderson, I would be like, get out of your comfort zone. Stop always using your friends. I know you mix in people here and there. Sure. But I, I would love to see him with, like, an unknown cast do something. Like Yeah, it would be cool to switch in, it up, yeah. Interesting. People who look interesting or interesting faces or new people or... Yeah, he always, like, that's the whole thing. He, like, adds, like, it was cool in, like, Darjeeling Limited to bring Adrian Brody in because he's, yeah. like, you know, at the time, I mean, not too many years before did he win Best Actor for The Pianist and, you know, mm-hmm. was definitely kind of still new in the scene at that point. I'm, I'm so torn about him, right? Like, I want him to do something different, but at the same time, he lives a fucking good life in terms of, like... <laughs> I get to work with my friends. And yeah. I get to make any movie I want in any way I want. Yeah. Like I think he's. I get it. I, I get think it. He's, is he working on something again? I'm or? sure he is. I, I get it. You know, that's a comfort zone that no one could ever complain about. And at the end of the day, he's gonna have a library that's gonna be pretty cool. Like I don't know if well, it's gonna be like the best movies in the world, but it's gonna be pretty damn cool. No, that's the thing. I mean, in the '90s, you have. Right away, like I mean, we've said two of them. Well, I, I even technically said the third, but like Tarantino, you know, like he's working on his ninth film right now, and he said he's going to retire after ten. I I kind of believe him more than like other people that kind of make you know those you know claims and say they're going to retire and then they come back like a Soderbergh or whatever. But yeah, like you know, we we got some great filmmakers that you do want you know, maybe more from them or for them to get a little out of their comfort zone. But at the same time, if it's not broke, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's definitely what it comes down to with Wes Anderson is I really do love even Moon, I don't hate Moonrise, but like I do, I really enjoy all of his films. I can't say that for, you know, you can't say that when you get into even the great directors like Scorsese or Spielberg, like, you know, you're going to, you know, find ones. Yeah, because they're not... Like the, yes, they have their own style. Like I mean, obviously, they, Scorsese has yeah. their own style, but they're not stylized in a sense that every Scorsese film isn't a mob film. You no, know? they're they're definitely people that they almost like Wes Anderson 
and yeah, those, we'll just we'll just leave it like those three guys, and then I almost feel like we should put a third with Scorsese, Spielberg. George Lucas is your favorite. Nah, because he just hasn't made like, or even Coppola <laughs> hasn't made as many as them. I don't know. De Palma even hasn't made as many as them. Uh, but any point being, they almost seem seem like guys that kind of change with the times. Versus these guys, I mean, I know they're younger, but they found what they're good at, and they're again, they're just like, let me just keep like they all all their films look like they're in the same world. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the what I'm trying. Even and Tarantino, some of his do, do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you know that doesn't happen in the case of Scorsese and Spielberg. So what did you think of the Rushmore Academy itself? Like the the setting there and the element the. The private school, if you will. Yeah, I mean, so it's a private school. They had a chapel, but it's not a Catholic. It seems like there's some kind of Catholic or Christian element, because they had a chapel. It seems like they were forced to go. Yeah. And there's priests around campus in various jobs. Okay. But it's not like St. Rushmore's, you know? Yeah, it it seemed then, if you know, being a uh, Catholic uh, high school, a pretty liberal in the sense of, like, the arts and, like... Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of them tend to be, but it didn't seem, like I'm saying, it didn't seem like, it seemed like a high-level, expensive academy, not just like a, a Well, yeah, school, that's yeah. what they do say. It's supposed to be, like, one of the best in the country, right? So it's, Yeah, so, I don't know. It, it might be, like, have a loose affiliation with the church or something. Yeah. Who knows? So, like, yeah, I mean, it just, it seemed like a pretty, like, it's a school also that, He's been there since second grade, so it's a continuation yeah. versus... and a lot of these schools are like that. Oh, okay, yeah. See, the only like knowledge I ever really had, I guess besides the Catholic one, and then there's what, Dwight Englewood near us was like the an elite private school. Yeah, yeah, and there's some like that. This seems more like that school that you're referring to yeah. than like a Catholic school around us. Yeah, versus like, yeah, Bergen Catholic and... Don, yeah, Don Bosco. Don Bosco. But I love that, I guess, our introduction to Bill Murray, where he's making that speech, and he's like, I donated money or something like that. Like, I yeah. can say whatever I want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that he just has it typed out on, like, his, uh, what do you call that? You know, his company's, like, correspondence. Oh, the stationery. stationery, yeah. thank you. Like, <laughs> it's just, uh, those are, like, the attention to details in Wes Anderson movies that you know he has fun with, that you know it's like he loves crests and he loves you know <laughs> yeah title design and it's just yeah it's just so much fun i love how much he hates his ginger sons in the movie <laughs> and did you read that imdb fact about them yes that, he like hated them in real yeah, life, hated them in real life. <laughs> i mean bill murray definitely is like a temperamental person a little bit of a curmudgeon yes and <laughs> even so like supposedly at first didn't really like jason schwartzman but then they warmed up to one another so uh yeah <laughs> um, and of course the crux of this film ha- happens well one the big thing is that max he's in all these clubs but he just and i mean As the I van relate, halen song says i got a band i got a band i got a band <laughs> but even before that like the fact that he can't like he doesn't have good, good grades and it's not because he's not smart he just literally does not care about which reminds me of people like you and me that we only like, for the most part. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but when we don't like something, we're just kind of like, yeah, like what you know. Yeah, no, I, honestly, like this movie sadly reminded me of my early college experience. Uh-huh. You know, like I didn't care to study or do certain things. I enjoyed stuff, and I enjoyed the stuff I was learning. But I was like, what? I don't care what grade I get. What yeah, is that pr- you know, I just want to, you know. 
yeah, this is an interesting yeah. subject. Yeah. Subject, and yeah. I'm listening to it, and I'm learning about it, and I'm reading this book about it, but I'm not. Who the hell cares about the test? Yes. Until I'm like, oh shit, you know, I'm not doing well, and I had to like really study and do my work because I was becoming an adult. <laughs> but like, that's kind of his journey here, and I love throughout the film they're telling him like what he needs to do. And he's just thinking of loopholes around it. Yes. You know, everything's a loophole. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Instead of like, hey, if you just study for this test, you might get a decent grade. And he's there on scholarship. Yeah, because he wrote a an, an, a play that his mom submitted there. And so he's been there. Yeah, his, his, his deceased, deceased mom, mother. Deceased mother, yeah. Another trope of high school films, single parents. I think more than 50% of them I've done at this point have had. Wow. Parent, uh, a deceased parent. How Disney... How Disney. <laughs> well, it was produced by Disney. Yeah, it's true. What I was originally getting at, and what you even alluded to, he develops a crush on that first grade teacher. Yes. What was her name? Rosemary. Rosemary, yeah. And at first it's innocent, but it develops into something that's kind of, especially on this watch, a little bit scary, you know? Yes. Well, there's a lot of the men in this movie, well, when I say that, I pretty much mean... Max and Herman. Which are, they're very similar to each other. Yes. And that's what, I mean, he says, like, oh, I see a bit of you, like, you know, in or me, a bit of myself in you. Yeah. Uh, and offers him a job. And, yeah, it's just, uh, they they become obsessed with her. And, I mean, that's, and that's what, it, I mean, it comes to that great line of just, like, you know, you know, she was my Rushmore. And then Max saying back to, you know, to Herman that she was mine too. Yeah, yeah, because like it becomes evident, and he even says it, that Rushmore is the only thing that he loves. He doesn't love school, he just loves being there and being a part of the sorry, obviously, Max. Yes. And Herman is the benefactor of the school. His sons go there, but he's almost anti-everything. Oh yeah, like you you said that he just, (laughs) he's he's like, find the rich kid, and he's just like, you know, that's just such a a great speech. Like, it just, (laughs) it comes from, like, a guy that made his money, and then we find out that he served in Vietnam and was in the shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, what does he say? Like, were you in the shit? Were you in the shit? So you were in Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. Yeah. I was in the shit. <laughs> so good, like Bill Murray's. Like, and this is this is where his dryness gets to shine. Like with this dialogue, it's just. I mean, it was definitely. I mean, he might have not written it specifically for him, but there was no better casting. No, and again, that's a big reason why he reuses him. Like yeah. Bill Murray knows how to deliver Wes Anderson dialogue perfectly. Uh, again, so he he develops his friendship with the rich benefactor. In Herman, he develops this crush on Rosemary, and he like to him it's not weird that she's like an older teacher. He almost feels like an like you know it's almost like he sees himself as an adult because he has all these various interests. Yes, uh, <laughs> I like how what's his original play like? It's like a Serpico kind of thing. That's one of the yeah. That's an earlier play that we see. Yeah. Is that the play? Yeah, that's the play where she comes and brings her boyfriend, who's Luke Wilson. Yes. And he's in, like, the medical the scrubs. scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> Great little character quirks, right? Oh, yeah. And then they go out to dinner. I love that dinner scene. It's so uncomfortable. Great foodie scene. Great. Oh, you can count it. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable, though. I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? 
Well, they're totally inappropriate for the occasion. Well, I didn't know we were going to dinner. That's because you weren't invited. Take it easy, Max. You were the one that ordered him a whiskey and soda. So what's wrong with that? I can write a hair play, why can't I have a little drink to unwind myself? So tell me, Curly, how do you know Miss Cross? We went to Harvard together. Oh, that's great. I wrote a hit play and directed it. So I'm not sweating it either. Can we get a check, please? What do you think you're doing? Getting a check. No, you're not. Excuse me. I just want to thank you for accommodating us. You see, we only thought we were going to be three. But uh, someone invited himself along, so I apologize. It's quite all right, sir. Okay. Very well. You're being rude, Max. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out why you brought this gentleman to my play and my dinner, which was invitation only. Would you like me to pass the creamer, Doc? Yes, please. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You hurt my feelings. This night was important to me. How did I hurt your feelings? Oh, my God! I wrote a hit play! Yeah, well, Herman lets a 15-year-old drink alcohol <laughs> what does he drink i wrote it there oh whiskey and soda <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that is like it doesn't seem it's crazy but it doesn't seem as crazy for herman because he's like i don't such an i don't give a fuck character yeah yeah and like again obviously he regrets it and it's the four it's herman rosemary rosemary and the luke wilson boyfriend character and he, like the nasty things he's saying peter He's like, I thought it was just going to be three. What does he say to the, He says something to the yeah, waiter. He apologized to like, yeah, the waiter. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> He's not in the proper attire, and we were, yeah, yeah. we were only expecting three. <laughs> but it's great because then, like, so, like, there's such like a payoff then because. You know, and, and Luke Wilson is in his scrubs, and then at the end, he's you know we have like all everyone that we've met throughout the film is at that final performance of you know Heaven and Hell, and we've got you know Luke Wilson wearing a suit because you know per Max's request, and it's you know it's just it's just, it's it's like a fun little payoff just for this, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing about Wes Anderson characters, right? Like. When you see one, you're usually going to get a payoff for one, even if it's the smallest thing. Yeah. If you have dialogue, you're pretty much going to get a, a payoff. Yeah. You're not an accessory. It makes you feel like the world's bigger than it is. Not that, you know, so Luke Wilson doesn't have, like, a character arc. But there's almost, there's, like, a character arc even for the Scottish kid. There's one, in a way, for, like, Margaret Yang. There's one for... Absolutely. There's one for Dirk. Dirk Calloway. That's, that's yeah. such a... <laughs> I love the element between him and Dirk. Yes. And, yeah, Dirk is such a creepy little... But I, I love him because he's so, like, his because of the dialogue, he's so, like, ahead of his years. Yes. You know? They seem like chums, you know? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like country club buddies. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's almost like Max's caddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going country club. <laughs> or just, you know, like, in this Rushmore world, Max is, like... A veteran, almost, you know. Yeah. And Dirk is like the new guy at the country club, you know. Yeah, like he said. Yeah, he says to Mrs. Callery, like, "Oh, anything I can do," and that's like a, and that's the whole thing. Like Max is just such an awkward character. Like he's got the full metal mouth, as most of us <laughs> experience at one point in our lives, and it's just, you know, Jason Schwartzman is a, you know, has an interesting look to him, very thick eyebrows, and just very, you know, just with the uniform, and then when he's wearing the red beret. Yeah, I love very, the beret. I yeah. love the beret. He even wears the beret in a very weird way. Like, yeah, it's almost like something's it's, off. But it's, it's like the, yeah, I've, I've, like, you know, never really worn a beret, but, like, it's, like, 
I don't know. It looks like a mushroom. The way he's like had the bottom part very extended. I used to wear berets in high school. Not gonna Did lie. You? Oh yeah, I had a phase. I don't remember. I had that. a beret phase. I don't remember the beret phase. What a great name for a band? <laughs> beret phase. Or an album? I don't there know. was like a cart at the mall that used to sell berets, and I bought, <laughs> I bought like a bunch of them, and I, I would wear them. It's funny. This is when you're into Chavez. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> no. It wasn't any kind of revolutionary thing. I just thought it was cool, you know. <laughs> And then another kid started wearing berets. Ugh. I'm not going to say his name, but... Yeah, I have a beret face, but it wasn't in uniform. I used to wear, like, I used to like wearing paisley shirts. Yes, you did. I remember and then that. A, a beret of the color, I did, of one I did. of the I'm colors. Totally but, you know, I would wear, like, it would be outerwear. I wouldn't really wear it in class too okay, much, you know? yeah. <laughs> yes, but, you know, I was very skinny back then. And as, you know, I'm sure you're oh. aware of... Now, the one time I remember that you have a beret is for the one film we made in high school, Super Zero. Oh, yeah, I had a bunch of berets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I was saying, Paisley looks better on a skinny man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, you can, you can wear, yeah, we can wear Paisley ties now, but not yeah, Paisley yeah, shirts. You know, like, I, like, one of my motivations to get into better shape has always been like, oh, I want to wear Paisley again. <laughs> You know, but I want to wear prints, and you know, like. yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Oh, the, the chain of events, though, right, leads to him getting expelled. That's the whole thing. Like, he's such a an active, you know, student, and he, between running clubs or doing well in them or starting new ones, and then these plays. Like, it seems like they're like a you know, a big hit for like the school <laughs> and then they, they are. And, but then he goes and he wants to make this aquarium for Rosemary and then just goes about in all the wrong ways. And that's, yeah, he, he wants it to be like a multi-million dollar aquarium. He asks, yeah. Yes. Herman for, I think like I wrote it down. Oh, where did I write it? oh 35,000. He's like, I got I got 2500 for you. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the pause and then he's yeah. like, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's because he's used to getting whatever he wants in a sense. Yes. Like, he, he tried to get Latin eliminated. It ends up getting eliminated. Um, he talks to uh, Rosemary about that when they first meet. And she's like, oh, I like Latin, you know, in better words. Yeah. And <laughs> then he forms essentially, like, an army... <laughs> not an army that, that's wrong but like you know he gets, gets a petition yeah, yeah. yeah a whole like movement to get latin back and then latin becomes required for like four of the grades you know? <laughs> <laughs> so when he thinks let me build her an aquarium he thinks let me build best aquarium in the world and yeah. he's gonna put it like literally on the baseball field <laughs> yeah it's, yeah very dumb yeah. high schooler idea yeah yeah that's the whole yeah <laughs> but the thing is, what makes him so amazing and scary is that he's almost capable of getting it done. Because, like, you know, the bulldozers yeah, are there. He's and... a kid with means in the sense of his, like, you know, determination. And... Determination, that's a great word for yeah. it. And, and he gets expelled because of that, right? Like, Yeah, he was... He was on probation. He was on, yeah, whatever it was even... I forget Secret what double. <laughs> no, yeah, not the animal house, but, like, whatever... <laughs> Some yeah, some kind of probation, and uh, yeah, this was just the final straw because it was, I mean, a ridiculous. Which honestly, I didn't really remember this part of it. Okay, like I hadn't seen it in a while. Like how much we see of the public high school. Yeah, it's a good like second act of the film. Yeah, I think it was awesome. Like I, I, maybe because I'm watching all these high school films, I really, really, really appreciated it now. 
Yeah, he just uh, he, he gives like a nice little speech to his class oh. of just like you know, I mean, he's still wearing the uniform. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you probably thought that. I have like a silver spoon, but but right away he he finds his little niche, and he even has like the kids like you know following him around. But it's just uh, yeah, he just has that. Then I mean, what was the? I get it's after he's arrested, right? That's like pretty much like then he goes and works for his dad after you know war begins between him and. Uh, yeah, so before he finds out that, again, Herman falls for Rosemary, Yeah, he's, like like you said, finding his niche in that other high school. I don't know, I, th- I think it's really great, because I'm not implying that Rosemary even considers being with him, you know? No. You see, though, what she finds remarkable about him, that when I say attracted, I don't mean physically, but attracted her to him. Yeah, I mean, she eventually says that he does, like remind her of her deceased husband yeah max is not a quote-unquote likable character yeah but he sure as hell is interesting you know and he's really capable of stuff not capable of he doesn't put his focus maybe in the right place but he's remarkable you know he really is a remarkable yeah well he's again so he's determined and then he gets tunnel vision yeah (laughs) yeah and you know when he wants something, he's he's one of these people that he's so determined he thinks he can will almost anything into existence by sheer, like you said, determination, and usually does. Yeah. So when he doesn't, it rocks his world, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then Herman Herman's married. I don't know if we mentioned that. Like, yes, but too. she's clearly having an affair. So yeah, but yeah, so she's she's having an affair, which I and that yeah that pool scene. Oh, that pool scene. I, I love Herman throwing golf balls into the pool and then climbing on top of the. It it rivals uh, the the graduate, uh, you know, and uh, Herman just diving or no, I'm sorry, cannonballing into the pool and then that little kid, even that very aquatic kind of kid, almost like a fish, just kind of scurrying away underwater with, when Herman's there. Yeah, yeah, it almost so, reminded me of, like, the Nirvana cover. I know he's not, like, a baby, but, like, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Herman's falling for Rosemary is interesting, you know? Yeah, I mean, he just... he He's a guy that's put all of his energy into his work. And then you can see that he like he met someone. I mean, you know, we really don't learn a lot about that relationship. But point being, at that pool party, it's obvious that his wife has moved on because she's heavily flirting with whatever you know party guest that was. Yeah. And his sons are just little assholes. And, <laughs> like, I mean, they end up going to military school. <laughs> Good. Uh, so he finds his. Well, Max says in their first meeting, he's like, Max, it feels like you got the secret. So this man that is, you know, has become very successful in business is worth, you know, like he's, I think Max at one point like asked him and he's like, oh, like 10 million, you know, he's worth. And, you know, served, was in the shit, you know. <laughs> and he says to a 15-year-old, it seems like you've, you know, you've you've got the secret. You know, you know what, you know what's going on. He's like, oh, you just got to find what you love and, and do. And for me, that's Rushmore. And so he finds his Rushmore, at least he thinks, in Rosemary. But also Herman just doesn't seem, while he and Max are similar, Max is much more imaginative. And and largely positive, right? Like he's, he believes yeah, yeah. in life, you know? Yeah. 
he, I mean, of course he gets discouraged in this film. But Herman is a very downtrodden... Not downtrodden in terms of, like, a mope, but a very negative person in a sense, like... Yeah, he's... Yeah, optimism versus pessimism. Yeah. And, and, and that's... Yeah, I mean, and... That's the shit will do that to you, probably. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a guy that's experienced life, and as far as his personal life, it hasn't panned out the way that he he dreamt. Um, and both he and Max have moments of going to Rosemary and trying to help the other out as far as their relationships with mm-hmm. Rosemary. And one of the last times Rosemary, one of the last times Max goes to Rosemary, uh, when he and Herman become friends again and they're building that new aquarium and she doesn't show up. He goes and he's like, "Oh, Herman's, you know, he did it for you." And he's like, and she's like, "But wasn't that your idea?" And he's like, "Yeah, well, I'm, I'm helping a friend." And it's like again, like her, it wasn't Herman doesn't have the original ideas. He's just kind of the guy with the bankroll. But no, you can because, tell, like, he does when he can help people, he will. Yeah, I mean, you look at his business too. It's not like a creative business. No, I don't even. Yeah, like it's like a, some kind of like assembly or factory yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I mean, we should mention, though, the thing you alluded to, like that whole feud. Yes. When it gets... Like, a, lot of, a lot of good montages in this yes. movie. It gets pretty, pretty crazy, you know? Yeah, so first... More intense than I thought. Okay, so Dirk, out of anger at Max, tells Max a lie about Herman and he's and angry Rosemary. Because Max told the Scottish kid he got a blowjob from Dirk's mom. Correct. Okay. In a jag, yeah, no, a hand job, a hand job, a hand job, a hand job, job. Yes. yes, very clear. Which is, just, I mean, not to sound weird or whatever, but it's hysterical hearing little kids saying hand job. <laughs> uh, and so then, because of all that, then Max tells Herman's wife another great foodie scene. Offers her the two different sandwiches. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and then the sirens are happening in the background, or just like city, kind of city noise, and then you just see in her face, and then Herman checks into the Which hotel, so and right away after ruining his marriage, then Max puts the bees in, and I love that shot. I love Wes Anderson always has like uh, shots that change pace in the middle of it, and so it's like I think that time it is all slow motion, but Max coming out of the elevator and picking up the beekeeper, oh, yeah, like you yeah. said, like a club that comes into play and gets yeah. used. Uh, <laughs> and then the next thing is Herman runs over his bike, and then the next thing, fucking Max cuts the brakes. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, he's yeah. trying to, ki- and literally, it's about death at yeah. this point. And then Herman has Max arrested, and she, uh, Rosemary, makes a good point later, where she's like. Yeah. She kind of implies, like, he's a kid, you know? Like, you went to war with a kid. Yeah, that, and then I... Lo- the, not love, but, like, it was such an awkward scene, and I, I tried to imagine... There's obviously a lot to talk about when it comes to teachers taking advantage of students, but then it's specifically in the realm of, like, men thinking... Or b- boys at the time, and then even, like, being older and being like, oh, like, a, you know... A boy with a female teacher and is as bad as a male teacher with a female student, but nonetheless, it's taking advantage, you know, no, advantage of not, illegal and improper and immoral and all that. But uh, the awkwardness of Max going and she and he, uh, he goes to Guggenheim and he's going to show pictures of Rosemary with Herman, which I don't know how that would really get her in trouble. I understand that's a parent of like a ch- student, but like older and that's not that's not like yeah i don't know if that's 
illegal. Yeah, but she quit anyway, and he goes, and Max goes into the room, and she then she just has that moment of, like, you know, like, what did you think it was, were we gonna have sex? And Need any help? No, I have it. <sighs> okay, let me see. No, please, look, I don't think you should come in here. Look, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry I love your friend instead of you, but... Please, Max. You honestly believe you love Bloom instead of me? Yes. You'll have to forgive me if I don't take your word for that. Oh, stop. Miss Cross. Listen, if you don't stop, I'm going to lose it's it. I mean late. it. Don't... It's too late. It's too late. Oops. Wait, please. I got kicked out because of you. No, you got kicked out. Rushmore was my life. Now you are. No, I'm not. What do you really think is going to happen between us? Do you think we're going to have sex? That's a kind of cheap way to put it. Not if you've ever fucked before, it isn't. Oh, my God. How would you describe it to your friends? Would you say that you'd fingered me? Or maybe I could give you a hand job. Would that put an end to all of this? That's a moment you realize, like, you know, for Max, trying to be a more mature, you know, individual than he is, like, he's just put back into his, like, child, innocent place right then. Like, yeah. not just, like, just, you know, he was just, he was in love in the sense of just, you know, like fucking butterflies in a meadow versus like not it wasn't over anything carnal and like i can think of moments in high school where i had attractive teachers that i was very happy when they wore certain outfits certain days because they were absolutely gorgeous and they made me happy no yeah i know and that it's like weird you know that scene and it's like first of all i thought max was like maybe being innocent and he was turning over a new leaf but no he was like taking advantage of the situation yet again even then, later in the f- after that, he does the whole so weird. Number one, why would you let him in climbing up a ladder to your room, even if he was in an accident? And I love that. Even it's so theatrically like staged and lit, and the rain and the bike and the you know yeah. like, and then he has yeah. stage blood on his head. But he climbs up a ladder to her bedroom window, or her, actually it was like her husband's childhood yeah. bedroom, and it's Creepy. twin bed. And right away, like if, when she but walks she back stays in, the, in there, though, was, yeah, and like he puts a cassette on and it's just yeah this movie has a lot of uncomfortable moments absolutely it's super uncomfortable and like you said like when she says the sex thing like do you think we were gonna have sex yeah it's like it brings it from almost a fantasy like certainly fantasy is what i'm saying like a fantasy-ish film to like so reality and like yeah you see like the shocked child of like you know, just, yeah, that, I don't know what to compare it to in a non, like, sexual, but, like, way, but you just have those moments when growing up where you get a harsh, harsh dose of reality. Yeah, where, and, like, she has that line at one point where she says something along the lines of, like, fucking is not romantic if yeah. you've had it, you know? Yeah, you would know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, like, I am a woman. Yeah. You are a child. You know nothing. Leave me alone. <laughs> which like, is there, which yeah, is which is totally as a, the the male gaze in this movie is <laughs> very heightened. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, wow. Um, I mean, they're both putting her on a, a pedestal. 
you know. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know if we talked about the whole. No, we didn't. So there's a whole element too with him, and we talked about it a little with at, when he works for his dad at the barber shop. Yes. It's like sad, but like I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a barber. But no, but it's just sad for a fifteen. Like finish high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or you know, like the, also as a father, like that, like when he's like, like you think you go back to school? That makes that question makes more sense for like a college student. Yeah, it's that, that conversation. That's not like a like he's not a dad that's like trying to be a son's friend, but he just seems like probably. I mean, you know, he's been a single father at this point for. Uh, at least seven years, I guess. Eight year old, fifteen year old. Maybe the mom was the enforcer as far as like the rules and stuff. But he's just, you know, that that conversation you wouldn't expect for a high schooler. No, you know. no, but it, like, it underscores though, like some of Max's adult qualities. You know, it's like he's just accepting that this is his life, and his father knows that that's not him. You yeah, know. he said. Yeah, we always like thought you know something political and you know that realm. So the the entire film, he's telling uh, Bill Murray. Max is telling Bill Murray that his father. What is something that like neurosurgeon? Yeah, neurosurgeon. That he's a neurosurgeon at the hospital. Yeah. And it's, I love that exchange between him and Luke at the uh, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Like, oh, I no, I'm a barber, but I you know people you know normally get that confused. <laughs> but. Oh yeah, when Bill Murray comes into the bar, like they kind of patch things up, and he yeah. brings him into the barber shop and introduces him to, to his father. And, like, yeah, exa- the barber yeah. chair too. There, like, yeah, he gives him a shave and a haircut and cleans him up, and then they have that working out montage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before that, though, they use that uh, that Cat Stevens song, which I really like. Oh yeah. I forgot what it's called. You're a bit, I mean, I I enjoy Cat Stevens as well, but I know you're a big Cat Stevens. I'm not a, I wouldn't say like I'm a big Cat Stevens fan in terms of like, I like I really like Cat Stevens music, but it's not like I know all Cat Stevens albums. Yeah, you definitely you're fan of his hits. It's not like you're like into the discography. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I've never really heard a Cat Stevens song I don't like. I don't know his like music now. It's yes. like yeah. Yusuf Islam or whatever. <laughs> but like classic. The Cat Stevens yeah, Father like, and Son. Hits. Yeah, yeah. The Wind is the that the name of that. The name, yeah, I think that's also Father almost and famous. Used in Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians too. of the Galaxy. Yeah, The Wind is used definitely in Almost Famous. Now I think about yeah. it. Like that era of Cat Stevens, obviously, you know. That's uh, no, great. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you know, like I said, I love the shot in the barber chair. I mean, how, how do we get to our ending? Why, why am I like forgetting? So yeah, like well, the, one of the last scenes. You know, Max is still like at his at his low point, and he fakes that accident in front of Rosemary's house, and then he's hanging out with Dirk, and you know Dirk has forgiven him, and he's flying a kite, and Margaret shows up with her plane, and that's the moment that Max like then has like an aha. Uh, and, she's great, by the way. Oh, she's yeah, she's really great, and oh, I love. I don't know if you caught this, uh, but. He has the exact same exchange with her that Rocky had with his mom, with the whole "Let me see without your glasses." Yeah, which is a nice little. Yeah. There's and there's other couple. I mean, like the I didn't come on, think like about the play, the play at the end is very. <laughs> I mean, even the the poster. It's Max's face, very much. Uh, um, Brando, Apocalypse Now. Coppola, you know. Oh, there is very Coppola. There, you're right. There are a lot of Coppola yeah. tie-ins. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, so it's just it's so Max has his like aha and Dirk, you know, he's like, write this down, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's when, and then that's when he gets like that green velvet suit. Oh, but uh, by the way, I love yeah. when the, um, Margaret he introduces Dirk and Margaret. It's so proper and country clubby. He's like, Margaret, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you or something. Wait, what is he? Something along the lines of, do you know Dirk Calloway? Yeah, <laughs> it's just the name Calloway. Yeah, you know, like the way it's like yeah. the introduction's done. Like, <laughs> no, like, hey, this is my friend Dirk. Yeah. You know? Nice and, you know. It's all very proper. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then we have, like you're saying, like we're building to this final play, really. Yes. Which is at the public school because he's still there, right? Yeah, he's still. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, he never goes. He, he never, never goes back to Rushmore, which yeah. I found interesting. You know. Yeah, but Guggenheim goes and sees the show. But yeah, but so it's like Max. You know, he be, then finally becomes him. You know, his new self. Uh, you know, is doing what he was doing at Rushmore, but at the public high school has his new ensemble, helps blo- tries to help Bloom with the aquarium, and then pretty much it just uh, he's just tying up loose ends. He gets the Scotsman to be in his show, and he has uh, you know the big the big moment of like pretty much the whole cast is at this new show of uh, Heaven and Hell. Yeah, it's like a Vietnam yeah play, which. First of all, it looks awesome. You know, it doesn't it doesn't look awesome in the sense like that would be a good play. I mean, everyone yeah. there seems to like it, but the yeah, effects but he, yeah. for that kind I of love play. even his Serpico play that he has like the L train like in the background. It's yeah. like a small, you know. <laughs> I like too that he he puts the Scottish guy in the play. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but like no. Esposito, <laughs> yeah, Semprify. <laughs> this is a different kind. We are making problems. problems. How much time do we got, Wood? Two minutes. All right, bring me some more ketchup very quickly, please. This is gonna look stupid. No, it's not. It's gonna look real. Adios, Esposito. Adios, Sarge. Say a prayer for Surf Boy, wherever he is. Semper Fi, soldier. Semper Fi. Sick transit, Gloria. Maybe we'll meet again someday. When the fighting stops. Tag him and bag him, Jerry's, we're moving out! Dig him out! 
Will you marry me late, John? You bet I will. He's like, I got a part just for you. And then he's like, basically, he's like, I've always wanted to be one of your plays, yeah. Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and Margaret, and they like fall in love in the play. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to meet the Yangs, too. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of these movies, like, I bet you, it, look, I'm sure there are a ton of Wes Anderson film podcasts. I mean, oh. that, that seems like that would be a thing, right? Yeah. Wes Anderson films are hard to really explain. Because they're so visual, you know. Yeah, and the dialogue is so different. Well, no, that's the whole thing. Like I love that's what I, I wrote that. Like I have just that that list that I kind of read before, just like moments that I love, and like even towards the end, I love Bloom crying at the play because he was in the shit. Yeah, know? like I love Bill Murray hiding a beer in the hospital when they're like when he and Max are talking and he's all disheveled. Um, even Max at a moment of like it's outside the barber shop and he has the two pins and he's like and Bill Murray I'll take punctuality yeah <laughs> it's just like little things like that and even there's like the way they're talking to each other at that final like when they're dancing yeah you know like oh yeah I cut to, in? Uh, ooh la la by the faces yeah the faces sorry not yeah. the faces he's like I'm sorry I'm taken I'm a taken woman, you know, like uh, Margaret Yang says. Yeah. I was like, that, that's okay. You know, the yeah. way, like, He's that, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Simple things. It remi- I know we're talking about all these Wes Anderson films today, not just Rushmore. It reminds me of the simplest line in Ryan Tannenbaum's that I love, and it's Bill Murray again as Raleigh Sinclair, and he puts on the fire helmet. Yeah. And, and then the kid, I forgot that kid. Like, yeah. Ha <laughs> I like that. He thinks, ha, you look great. Yeah. And like the look, you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, he does that head cock. Yeah, but well, because every like Raleigh is such like a serious adult in that movie, and then he gets to be like, like almost every kid wants to be at one point a firefighter. Yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah. like Wes Anderson has these little moments that they're hard to describe if you don't like. I couldn't describe it to you if you weren't in your head seeing the visual thing I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, hey, the, using the song Ooh La La at the end of like, I wish I knew... Wait, what? Knew I... Wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> I wish... I wish I, that I knew... I knew what I... It should be really yeah, easy. Yeah, it should be that. really easy. I wish that I knew what I knew now when I was young. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was just me trying to sing it in the higher key that threw me off. I and then I got like, what yeah. is it? I wish that I know. Damn it! <laughs> I knew what I knew now when I was young. It's just yeah, it's so it's so good. Yeah, no, I mean, it it renewed my wanting to see more. No, I've seen the more all. Rushmore. No, but more uh, Wes Anderson. Rewatch some Wes Anderson yes. films. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually I see Royal Tenenbaums. It's one of the few Criterion collections I own. And I have that behind you, and I think... Because I don't know if there was a regular release of Royal Tannenbaums. 
Oh, interesting. I've only seen the Criterion of Rolex. There's a Criterion. Well, but that's like a thicker one, one though, though, right? Like look, it's can, the pink and. You can look behind. Yeah, no, I know, but yeah. I, that's like. But it's like a bigger case. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe since there's a Blu-ray, but it, like, yeah. that was. Unfor- I'm like, what the hell is Criterion Collection? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a Criterion Collection channel coming out now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I just read that. I would love to like own the, obviously everything that's in the Criterion Collection is just so goddamn expensive. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think I might watch Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, I definitely want to watch Tenenbaums. But it, that and Darjeeling Limited, because those are two that I enjoy that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I've aquatic though. Oh god, <laughs> I've wanted like, like my favorite soundtrack. You know, I don't like Needles. Maybe I'll get over it. But like, if I were to, well, one one thing I've said like, if I were to get a tattoo, I want to be in a little bit better shape, theoretically. Sure. You know, like. Just whatever, but a little schvelt, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> but if I were to get a tattoo, maybe not my first. Like, let's say I was one of these guys with a lot of tattoos. Sure. I would certainly get like the, and I think it's on this Criterion Collection. Yeah. yeah. Take it out. Yeah. I definitely would get this. Oh, let's see if you still have it. Oh, I just know this by heart. Like the, it came with these. Yeah. It came with these like colorful things. Yeah. And. I don't know. I, I there's one. We could uh, we could do something foodie films wise, and we can go out. We can check out the outside of that building. Oh yeah, video. Our mutual jaded friend actually lives like a couple blocks away. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like around where he lives. <laughs> Our mutual jaded friend, Wes, Wesley Vina. We know you're out there. <laughs> you're so jaded. You've been on the show. You'll be on the show again. But uh, I don't know. I would like to get like a Mordecai, like fly Mordecai. Yeah. You know, like. I just, I just can't love the imagery. I love the beautiful filmmaker. Beautiful filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say in particular about Rushmore? Um, I think I pretty much said like all the little things I love, and yeah, it's just a, it's just a, it's a masterful film. It's again, I think it's his purest film, and he's just someone that. Hasn't disappointed me yet. I mean, Moonrise came a little close, but it just, it just wasn't. You know, there's guys. You're just, bound, you're just bound to. It's like Star Wars. Like you're bound to like then get. Well, okay. Well, now I guess it's a whole prequel trilogy. But uh, <laughs> you know, there's just even anything that you love. There's gonna be you're bound to be like let down at some point. <laughs> and so I guess with Moonrise, maybe that was the closest it came for me. And the same thing, like I said, with like Django with Tarantino. I don't, I don't hate either movie. It's just like if I had to, you know, if you had a gun to my head and you said, "What's your least favorite?" I can tell you those are my least favorite. But that doesn't mean. But that's still in comparison to. I don't want to pick on any filmmakers, but just any of the, either of those films are a lot better than the best of other filmmakers. Who's the guy in SNL who does a really good Christoph Waltz? Oh, I forget. You know that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Christoph Waltz, like, he's a good actor, obviously, but he gets awards for playing like the same guy. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah, exactly. His character in Django is a nice version of Hans Landa. Yeah. And he won best, and he beat our main man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, from The Master, and I will never forgive the Academy for that. <laughs> like, he can't... Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, because, like, he got it already for that. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! It's not, not like The Master was the same as Capote, but that's another podcast. And, well, well that's know, another, another podcast, topic. and also that's supporting versus lead actor, so, like, let's not... Both both, Christoph Waltz's were supporting. So yeah, fair, fair, good point. <laughs> well, Kyle, then I mean, 
kind of, speaking of which, and Hoffman and stuff, but, I mean, we can plug that together, but I'm sure you got a ton to plug for Foodie Film. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, with Foodie Films, some f- been doing some fun things. It's kind of, you know, just keeps growing, and I- I'm understanding it a little bit better. Like, right now, we're kind of in a cool phase where, you know, so you know, we release a podcast episode every other week. And then in those in-between weeks, release a video. But even when I re- release the podcast episodes, I've kind of been doing these, I, I've dubbed them uh, First Cut, and those tend to be with guys that are, um, and I would love to get, and I, don't, I, I say guys, and they are, they have been just men so far, but I would love to get uh, some women on too, that are very established in the food industry. So Pat LaFrieda, Chef uh, Paul Denimil, and uh, I'm trying to think if any more have been will have been released by this point. Maybe George Motz's episode. I'm sorry, uh, uh, George Motz. I even said it wrong in the beginning. I was very embarrassed. And it's just it's M O T Z. Not like the apple juice. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Motz. And yeah, so we had episodes like that, but then we're still doing episodes. And th- th- you know, those episodes we're really talking about their careers, and we talk a couple of food scenes, but we're still doing episodes that we're talking films, and uh, I definitely want, I want to have you on again soon. I want to look at our list. I know we're doing, even in there, we're doing like our little My Dinner series, but I think the next one that you come on, I just want it to be a, you know, one of the films that we would love talking, whether it's uh, Big Night or The Trip or something like that. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, no, so just really fun things, and I hope you guys are listening i hope you guys are enjoying when listening and please uh cutting more right cutting more cut cutting more i thought there's more to cut oh there's some yes as and as as i say there's there's always there's more to cut so yes uh fun things on foodie films now i got a good question for you please i love a good question well i, well, I, I did a good not answer. promote p.s i still love hoffman oh okay no, that wasn't really my question but i just remembered it now because oh. <laughs> i did already no, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, my question is, as I ask my guest every week, what slumber party you bring to sleeping bag, but what Wes Anderson-themed sleeping bag? Ooh, a nice, like, under-the-sea, because uh, like, I love the way the, you know, I, I I was, it was definitely the, like, the making of for Life Aquatic, and he was just like, why am I going to shoot, like, real underwater? He's like, that's been done. I want it to look different, and so I love the colorful stop motion which kind of then leads on to fantastic mr fox and isle of dogs and so i love the way that his underwater world looks so definitely something with like those fishes and the the seahorses and the and the leopard shark yeah that's cool that'd that's be cool. cool yeah yeah <laughs> the su- yellow submarine on it that'd be fun <laughs> yeah and by the way i think i asked you what uh, slumber party would you bring to the sleeping bag i obviously meant what sleeping bag yes. you bring to the slumber party just want to clarify that <laughs> <laughs> someone on facebook did a critic oh we talked about this because i had already done it but you were like hey um it's Kristen stewart's birthday okay yeah why don't yeah. you post something i think one of the twilight movies is in high school and i had already made the picture so i was right on board with you yeah i posted it and someone literally wrote and if I could look up your name right now, I would. <laughs> and I don't care. It's all in fun. They're like, of all the Kristen Stewart movies, you pick that one. But I'm like, honestly, I, what other Kristen Stewart high school movies are there? I'm sure there's some. Like, maybe Adventureland counts? I guess, but still, that's like, it's never specifically said. Yeah. 
I think they might be college students. And then also, mate, I mean, how young is Joan Jett supposed to be in The Runaways? Like That's a, what I was thinking. Like maybe that movie too, but like, what? The, like what the? F- <laughs> like I'm sorry. Like you know, like you see her face. What do you think of Twilight? <laughs> exactly. It's not like. And you know what? This is social media. By and like when we're, when we're posting things, we want you know, you're casting a big net. Yeah. So, also, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, honestly, who I, I haven't said this in a while. Whoever you this, are, I'm not like. Well, I haven't said this since P.S. I love Hop. You're on notice. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, and I love the comments and comment again. And if they want to be negative comments, whatever. I would just like, what do you expect me to do? You know? Yeah. Like that. That was one where I don't think I had a hot take or a controversial point. But <laughs> hate is gonna hate, I guess. Hate yeah. is gonna hate. Um, I think my Wes Anderson sleeping bag would be just like. The matching, um, what is it, his kid's Jumpsuit. name? Jumpsuit. Yeah, Ari and Uzi's, yeah. Like Adidas, you know, tracksuit. So That'd be the, fun. The red with, like, the white zipper, maybe, yeah. and, like, the, you know. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, Kyle, always good to have you on. I think we talked a lot of Wes Anderson here. I hope the Wes Anderson diehards are satisfied. And, honestly, it's when I thought about doing this podcast, Rushmore didn't originally come to mind, you know? Yeah. But it's definitely a really, really cool high school film. Oh, duh. We have to rank it. Oh, yeah. And rate it, or whatever it's called. Yeah. So what scale should we rate Rushmore on? Um, well, what were those pins called? His, like, a, like I feel like it should be on... Oh, I wish I remembered. Yeah. Um, or maybe on a scale of... I feel like a Wes Anderson movie should have so many things we could rate it on. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> we're, like, drawing a blank. Jobs. <laughs> berets. Berets, yeah. Berets? Yeah. So how many red berets will you rate Rushmore? And it's out of five, right? Yes. I've done this in a little while. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half red berets. So Encino Man to you is a better film than Rushmore. Did I give it five berets? You gave, no, not berets, whatever we did but... there. You gave it five out of five Encino Man. Did I? <laughs> yes. That was a that was a heat of the moment. Yeah, no, no, I understand. that was a crime of passion. <laughs> I'm also gonna give this four point five. I thought about the five. You know, I might come back and give it a five yeah. someday. But it, this is a really, really fun and good film. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. That's at the very least four point five. Might be thinking about it. Certainly, at the end of this podcast, it's going to be one of my favorite high school films. Well, yeah, it's just it's easily gonna be. I think also then just one of the better films. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. like it's just. At some point he's he's right. just he's he's going to be one of the better filmmakers that like will have made a high school film. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I don't think he'll make another one. He seems to be in like broader worlds now. I mean, you know, I mean, Moonrise wasn't that long ago, and he did Kids Camp, and I mean, you never know. But I think, well, I think he's someone that yeah, he doesn't like them repeat. Like, yeah, you know, he just. Even like Tarantino, like then his next one is gonna be, uh, you know, that summer '69, and he's doing his period pieces and that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah. So four and a half red berets. I can't believe. Did you mention this that you have the Fantastic Mr. Fox thing on your shelf? Oh, here? I did. I forgot. And I got, <laughs> and I got that at a promotional thing where I met Bill Murray, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Wes Anderson. I love how we're at the <laughs> end of this podcast and that has not come up. I'm like, you know, about to close out, like looking yeah. at my notes, and then I look, I'm like, is that a foxtail? Oh my god, that's like a foxtail from Fantastic Mr. Fox. I wore that when we saw we saw Fantastic Mr. Fox in theaters again. Yeah. You mean Dan. So Ferrara. any quick thing about meeting 
Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman and Wes Anderson, all three people. And Meryl Streep. Yeah, Meryl Streep is great, and I'm not putting it yeah, down. But that but was not, yeah, not, not a part not, of this film. Yeah, not a part um, of this They're exactly who you think they would be. <laughs> like, they are, they're, they, they play, yeah. Wes Anderson, like, at that point, like the American Express, like he just he look he dresses like an Italian filmmaker now. That's what he does. <laughs> and he's very tall and he's got skinny. He dresses like he looks like the the foxes, and he looks like the <laughs> like in that like yeah, very tall. He's got his like sh- kind of little past ear length, like almost sh- shoulder length hair. Sh- Jason Schwartzman was like very quiet, and like yeah, like you know, sure, I'll take a soda. Uh, <laughs> and then Bill Murray was just total like. Dr. Venkman, Bill Murray. Like, That's great. I sang with him. We sang Downtown by Petula Clark. Uh, and yeah. So. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> Guys, I hope you stayed this long to hear that, you know, all the yeah. people in this film are exactly who you expect them to be. Downtown! That was full Bill Murray. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you. So big thank you to Kyle. You know how they say, like, the man needs no introduction. I feel like Kyle also doesn't need a post-reduction? <laughs> That's definitely not the word. Whatever it is, you know, you guys know Kyle by now. That was a really, really fun episode. It got me watching more Wes Anderson films. And I can't wait to, like, rediscover him. It's, this was a different high school film than I'm used to watching, but it, w- it was awesome. So, big thank you to Kyle. Next week's a big week, because as we mentioned in this episode, this was our 52nd episode. So that's right, because people have told me I should, and I don't like to bring the attention to myself, but whatever, I'm celebrating my birthday next week. And I've decided, by the way, not my real birthday, the show's birthday, I should correct that. I'm celebrating high school slumber party's birthday next week. And to celebrate it, we're going to watch and talk about, and you guys for homework have to watch it too, 16 Candles. So, I mean, what's the story? I mean, you got a guy or...? Yes, three big ones and they less went blood. Her name is Samantha Baker, and today is her 16th birthday. Fred, she's gotten her boobies. Oh, <laughs> I'd better go get my magnifying glass. They forgot my birthday. Classic. This is the single worst day of my entire life. Universal Pictures presents Score, a direct hit 16 Candles The story of a girl who's stuck with a guy who's driving her crazy Nice manners, babe And stuck on a guy she's crazy about Who's Jake? Jake Ryan? Jake's my boy! Jake is a senior and he's beautiful and perfect. He doesn't even know you exist. He smiles at me and I don't say anything. Can't believe I'm such a jerk. You quit feeling sorry for yourself. It's bad for your complexion. You know Samantha Baker? Kids are looking at me a lot. It's kind of cool the way she's always looking at me. Maybe she's retarded. What's happening, hot stuff? His name is Long Duck Dong. Nothing could shock me anymore. Underpants. Can I borrow your underpants for 10 minutes? Girls underpants. Hate that 
rock and roll rubbish. Everybody in this family has just gone totally out of limits. You guys, you just gotta be cool. You just gotta chill out and just be cool. Just watch me. Why, you little scuzzbag. I'll let you take Carolyn home. She's so blitz, she won't know the difference. Jake, I don't have a car. You can take mine. before anything else terrible happens. She's stuck between a half-wit... Very hot! Very hot! ...and a heartbreaker. I want a serious girlfriend. Somebody I can love. It's gonna love me back. Pretty intense, huh? Over. Everyone she knows is either on her case... You know you're the one I want to bug, huh? ...or out of their tree. Monday! It only happens once in a lifetime. This has got to be a joke. And once is enough. Happy birthday, Samantha. This is getting good. 16 Candles. It's a classic, but it's controversial these days. I don't care. And I've decided that every year for the podcast birthday, we're going to do 16 Candles. So I'll have a different voice every year to break down this film. This year, though, I'm bringing one of my very good and closest friends, Jenny O'Connell, on to talk about 16 Candles. Trust me, it's going to be fun. Happy birthday to High School Slumber Party. So don't forget again to like us on Twitter, or I guess follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, tell a friend about High School Slumber Party, visit us on cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, or wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, do the things that help us, you know, put this product out there. I do this for free, and I appreciate you listening more than you know. I'll get into it more next week, but thank you so much for helping me sustain this for an entire year. I can't believe it sometimes. I can't believe I edited 52 episodes. And you know what? A lot of people around me can't believe it either. <laughs> but that's another story. I leave you with a song. Of course, like every week. Ooh la la by Faces. Later, dudes.
you're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.